Hello and welcome to the Beyond Biotech podcast number 53. I'm Jim Cornell from the Biotech and we're already into July. So Canada Day and July the 4th have both come and gone. And of course, all the press releases dry up around the 4th as well. Today is July the 7th, or 7-7, which is World Chocolate Day. It's also Macaroni Day, although presumably not in the same bowl. And it's also Solomon Islands Day. So hello to all of our listeners in Honiara. Well, there might be. Not sure what biotech companies there are in the Solomons, and I've not been there. Although I wouldn't say no if the government there is offering. Having said that, for fun, I just searched getting there. And it's about 36 hours of flying, two stopovers in Dubai for 10 hours and Brisbane for two, and it's more than $3,000. So, unless someone else is paying, then it's not looking good. I think the longest ever flight I took was more than 20 years ago when I flew from eastern Canada to Tasmania. And I think it was Halifax to Boston to LA to Sydney and then Sydney to Hobart. But this was in January, and there was a snowstorm, which meant that Boston Airport was closed. So it ended up being Halifax to Montreal, Montreal to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to New York, New York to Atlanta, Atlanta to L.A., L.A. to Sydney, and then finally Hobart. It took about two calendar days, and to add insult to injury, my bags ended up taking two more days. And of course, this was pre-smartphones and iPads for entertainment, so you can tell how bad it was. I even read the in-flight magazines. It's now the school holidays here, which means travel and hotel prices just went up. It's funny how that happens. And that's not even a reflection of the inflation that seems to be hitting many places at the moment, but I won't even go there. At least the podcast is free. Speaking of the podcast, today we're talking ADCs. And ADC has a few meanings, like analog to digital converter, something that I'm familiar with in music. In fact, I found more than 100 acronyms for ADC. But obviously the one we're talking about today is the Arkansas Department of Corrections. No, it's antibody drug conjugates. And the conversation we have for you today on antibody drug conjugates is with Pejvak Motlag who was recently announced as the Chief Medical Officer at Mablink Bioscience. And so now it's time for the news you may have missed over at labiotech.eu. A new osteoarthritis treatment for horses could work for humans. We had an article on whether we're getting closer to a cure for hepatitis B. And Excellium Biosciences has closed 24 million euros financing for its lead candidate. A new drug helps prostate cancer patients. Camina Bioscience has raised $10 million for its DNA synthesis platform. And we had an article on six biotech spin-outs you should watch out for this year. A narcolepsy drug has been approved in China. We had our monthly roundup of the biggest financing rounds globally. And an article looking at six biotech companies in Hong Kong. A £100 million life arc program aims to help people living with rare diseases. AstraZeneca's non-small cell lung cancer drug met its primary endpoint and positive data have come out of Sensorion's hearing loss study. We had an article on cultivated meat. The FDA has approved an Alzheimer's treatment. 
and Swedish researchers are looking to peptides to destroy viruses. Tolerogenics has expanded its Phase 2 immune tolerance trial, and you can read these, and many more, at labiotech.eu. And that means we're into today's interview on antibody drug conjugates. And, as usual, that means letting the expert take it from here. And this week, that expert is Pejvak Motlag, who was recently announced as the Chief Medical Officer at Mablink Bioscience. To get things started, maybe you could tell me a little bit about your background and your transition to the new company. Absolutely. So, uh, my name is Pejvak Motlag. As uh, uh, I'm uh, a physician, I joined, uh, I mean, uh, the industry uh, 20 years ago. And I evolved in, in various positions. I think the most important, I mean, you know, for uh, today's discussions is uh, over 12 years dedicated to uh, oncology in the industry. Uh, and uh, I started at uh, uh, GSK, um, leading their early clinical development of uh, cancer vaccines, a very uh, innovative and uh, interesting approach um, at that times, and a lot of learnings there. That helped us also, I mean, you know, uh, throughout my uh, my career. I uh, then moved to uh, BMS, Bristol Myers Squibb, uh, where I had more medical affair and um, helping them uh, really launching, I mean, the revolution of uh, the checkpoint inhibitors. So it was about um, Nivo, uh, EP, and their combinations. So it was um, uh, really about, I mean, you know, the pre-launch activities and launch activities, uh, medical affairs, and uh, a very, I would say, uh, extraordinary time uh, where we had, I mean, you know, uh, uh, all those uh, approvals, I mean, you know, in something like uh, 10 or 12 uh, indications in just a couple of years. That was, I mean, really impressive. So um, everybody knows about I mean, the impact of uh, the checkpoint emitters and, and uh, immunotherapies. I then joined AstraZeneca um, as a, a global clinical lead uh, where um, I also had the... Uh, uh, extending my knowledge to more late phase uh, compounds and also about uh, the transition and the line of sight in terms of development of a uh, couple of their uh, uh, part of their um, oncology portfolio. And my last job was at Boringer in the Lime, where I was uh, privileged to uh, lead uh, their uh, global clinical development teams in immuno-oncology and overseeing and managing their growing uh, IO portfolio that was uh, really composed of, of many um, assets, many modalities, cancer vaccines, oncolytic viruses, T-cell engagers, checkpoint inhibitors, you can name them, and uh, against multiple targets, and then develop mostly in, in solid tumors. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about what prompted you to make the switch to Mablink. Very important point. I think that there, there, there is really two aspects. One that is more personal, and maybe, I mean, um, uh, I will uh, less, I mean, develop this, but um, uh, really, um, I would say uh, uh, a feeling and a motivation to join uh, maybe a, a more human size uh, and very highly motivated team. That's something, I mean, you know, we, we, we can I mean, also uh, discuss or bringing, I mean, you know, all this uh, knowledge and experience from, from Big Pharma to uh, a, a much smaller I mean, organization, but at the same time being very much more focused. And, and uh, uh, I think the, the other layer is uh, that uh, physician, I mean, you know, 
people is really at the center of um, everything I do. And, and uh, of course, this is something that uh, is important in larger companies, but also, I mean, you know, in smaller ones, maybe the difference, I mean, is sometimes, I mean, you know, there is more uh, homogeneous approach. There is more focus. I mean, you know, uh, that's also sometimes a challenge of having uh, uh, various compounds, uh, which one to prioritize. And, and uh, on top of that, you know, uh, everything related to the to the size. So um, uh, I think that's really the, the mix of both. So the intent of doing something that is really, I mean, you know, bringing a, a true innovation to the patients. The other one is uh, uh, maybe the right time. I mean, you know, also to uh, the lead myself and, and uh, also, you know, taking all the decisions, I mean, you know, in a, in, in a smaller, I mean, you know, company. Could you tell me a little bit about what Mablink does and what stage the company's sure. at with its pipeline? So Mablink Bioscience is a biotechnology company dedicated to um, advancing cancer therapy for uh, with their next generation antibody drug conjugates, ADCs. So this is a, a preclinical stage, I mean, you know, uh, a company, but of course, with my arrival, I mean, you know, we are uh, putting everything set uh, for a first time in human uh, next year in 2024. We're going to be talking more today about antibody drug conjugates. So I wonder if you could kind of just give a little bit of an overview of sure. that field, you know, when it started, what the development has been and what, what it's used for. So uh, very basically, I mean, ADCs, as you know, consists in three components. So there is an antibody that targets the tumor-associated antigen of interest. There is a potent cytotoxic drug that we call the payload. And finally, there is a linker that connects the antibody and the drug through uh, a chemical bound. Uh, ADCs combine the favorable pharmacokinetics profile and tumor-targeting properties of antibodies. And at the same time, with the potent cell killing activity of uh, an attached warhead, which results in a more precise delivery of cytotoxic drugs to the tumor. And um, finally, ADCs are among the fastest growing drug classes in oncology. And, and this is also something that I maybe missed to say is that, I mean, the um, attraction specific that is class. So very interestingly about the uh, ADCs that, I mean, currently there are um, something like 13 FDA approved ADCs and uh, roughly half of them are approved for solid tumor cancer and the other half are approved for uh, hematological malignancies. But ADCs are not new. They have been on the market for over a decade. Uh, however, the majority of ADCs have been approved within the last five years. So this is an important point showing the, the recent technological breakthrough. And we can think that uh, the best uh, is still to come. Um, so there is a, clearly a huge potential with uh, this approach. And then, of course, specifically with, uh, I would say, our platform and, and uh, with our technology. What are the advantages of using ADCs? It's really about, I mean, you know, I know that recently you had a, a podcast on, on precision medicine. I think that uh, even myself in the, you know, previously um, there was this uh, thinking of immunology on one side, targeted therapies on the other. I think that I moved a lot from those approaches and, and then uh, the various modalities. I think that uh, uh, we are sharing, I mean, the same targets and then the things are getting more blurry, um, you know, uh, between, I mean, you know, T-cell engagers or, or ADCs. And uh, uh, my way of, of seeing things is really about, I mean, the new axis that is uh, really a trend that is on increasing precision. ADCs are very, I mean, you know, high in terms of, you know, the, the precisions, I mean, that we are looking for and really about, again, 
targeting a very specific antigen of interest and bringing a variety of cytotoxic drugs. And uh, it's really about the potential, again, is um, to better pair the payload mechanism with the tumor and the target biology. So it's really about that. Right. And what are the challenges around using ADCs? So one of the key challenges of ADCs is really managing the uh, what we call the hydrophobicity. Uh, again, one step back, I mean, the primary goal is really to improve the uh, what we call the therapeutic index of um, uh, chemotherapeutics agents. And uh, really, I mean, you know, um, again, the focus of ADCs is restricting their systemic delivery to cells that express the antigen targeted by the antibody bearing the drug. So, again, the primary goal is really to improve this therapeutic index. And, and uh, that is really between the minimum efficacious dose and then the maximum tolerated dose. And we know that, I mean, you know, uh, that's a classical issue in, in all our developments. Uh, a, a narrow therapeutic index, I mean, you know, brings only major issues in terms of uh, development of new drugs. So for ADCs in, in, in particular, and, and uh, uh, I would say that this hydrophobicity is really, I mean, you know, uh, one of the key challenges is um, uh, related to the cytotoxic drugs used. And uh, hydrophobicity is a key parameter, is correlated to a faster clearance, so shorter half-life. So if you have a lower drug exposure, you can expect a lower efficacy and uh, a lower tolerability because of the saturation of clearance and, and healthy tissues. So the approach of MabLink is really about, I mean, you know, their uh, uh, own technology, what we call the uh, PSAR link platform that is a, a unique stealth technology that masks the hydrophobicity of the cytotoxic drugs by adding a polysarcosine chain to the linker. And please don't ask me any more questions and then I will need or, or, or CSO. But the whole idea is that thanks, I mean, you know, to this protection, this, this, this covering, this masks, I mean, you know, uh, um, uh, the PSAR link, I mean, technology solutions the hydrophobicity issue and it improves dramatically the therapeutic in index. At the end, we are uh, reaching for and I'm expecting a better pharmacokinetic profile, higher drug exposure, leading to higher anti-tumor efficacy, a lower clearance rate that will improve the tolerability. And uh, um, so in one word, more hydrophilic ADCs and we can expect better tolerated ADCs. You mentioned that it's relatively new. How has it evolved and is it continuing to evolve? Absolutely. So, I mean, you all heard about, I mean, uh, ACR 2023 and, and more recently um, ASCO. Uh, I will not, I mean, come back to that. You really see that there is a, an explosion in terms of, uh, first of all, a confirmation with, I mean, uh, the leading, I mean, you know, uh, um, new generation ADCs on, on, on the market. And uh, there is also a, a boom in terms of um, clinical development. And uh, you can see that from the recent years, uh, there is also uh, clearly uh, an attraction in this field and uh, uh, many, I mean, uh, an acceleration in terms of uh, clinical development, all phases, I mean, including. Where is the field at right now? You mentioned some of the ones that have been approved and that are in use. Uh, what kind of results are we seeing from those? So again, here there is, I mean, many things to share. I think that uh, the striking, I mean, news that we have seen is really, I mean, you know, extending uh, the sensitivity also of the approach. So meaning that, I mean, you know, you can, I'm more specifically uh, talking about the uh, HER2 target for which, I mean, we have seen that uh, the new drugs recently approved 
are able to uh, increase um, to the lower expressors. And uh, um, that's, I think, a, a very uh, striking I mean, uh, a point, leading also to uh, some, uh, I would say, agnostic approach that we have seen also in the very recent I mean, uh, data presented. So uh, uh, no more link to a specific tumor education, but more on the, on the target. So um, uh, very exciting news. And again, showing that uh, we are really at the uh, beginning of um, many improvements. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to be something that's primarily used in cancer. Does it have other applications as well? And if so, why is it more being tailored to cancer? It's a more personal, I mean, answers, I would say. Um, you know, uh, as I said, I was working, I mean, extensively in uh, immunology and, and uh, uh, so really about targeting the immune system. And as you know, there is a very thin frontier with, I mean, you know, inflammation and uh, also um, autoimmune diseases. So um, there was always this aspect that, I mean, you know, what we are achieving in oncology could also, uh, you know, help uh, in other uh, therapeutic areas. And I think the same with um, ADCs. Again, I mean, you know, the technology could be uh, one of the attraction and uh, the key, I mean, you know, attraction for me was the versatility of the platform. And then the, at the same time, the, the, the personalization of the platform. So you can really think, I mean, in the future on any, I mean, you know, specific target. And then we can also extend, I mean, you know, the kind of payloads. Of course, I mean, you know, linked to that. Again, a very versatile tool that could be um, possibly used, I mean, in order uh, indications and other, I mean, you know, uh, therapeutic areas. Yes, for sure. But for the moment, I mean, there is still a lot to do in uh, the cancer field. Is there an influence of cost on the use of ADCs? Again, uh, I think that is uh, a bit early and, and uh, we'll see with the, the multiplication, but uh, um, I think it's a no-brainer that, uh, as I mentioned, uh, when you have a technology that brings a simpler, better manufacturing processes, I mean, you know, you can expect that uh, also, uh, you know, that could be, I mean, you know, uh, 50 uh, multiplication extensions and uh, an impact, I mean, maybe on prices. But um, again, I think those questions are a little bit premature for the moment. As a chief medical officer, I would say that, I mean, you know, for the most important part is really to show the benefit, the improvement in terms of uh, benefit risk for the patients, having a very clear efficacy that what we can expect from ADCs. And that's also, I mean, you know, a very important point. Some whole ADCs work or not. There is um, not much uh, gray areas and that's uh, also very important. So uh, once we have a potent I mean, efficacy, I mean, you know, then we can um, see the impact, uh, I would say, not only on the patients, but also on the, I would say, the um, healthcare providers, the cost on the society, but um, everything is going on the same direction. I guess the same would probably be true of regulation then? Absolutely. Are there any adverse effects to the use of antibody drug conjugates? Yes, we know that, I mean, you know, all effective drugs um, as of two days uh, have also uh, a specific, I mean, toxicity and uh, safety profile and uh, ADCs are, are, are the same. But here again, the intent is to improve, I mean, you know, and then to uh, having uh, to reach better safety profile, I mean, you know, um, in the future. And uh, we also learn from uh, some, uh, uh, I would say, known and ADCs on the on the market. But uh, the the whole idea is really, I mean, you know, to increase not only the efficacy but also the tolerability versus previous generation. Clearly, uh, we can expect also, I would say, a better safety profile in the future. 
And, and I guess one of the things that seems to be true of other kinds of medicine as well is that you have certain people respond to a drug much differently than others do. Is this the same with ADCs? We are coming back to um, uh, maybe this discussion about imprecision medicines and, and uh, coming from immuno-oncology, I mean, mostly in the past, where there was still, I mean, you know, this a distinction between targeted therapies and, and uh, immuno-oncology approaches. I think that, I mean, uh, things are much more blurred today. Um, again, the targets are usually the same. It's just the technology, the payload, etc. that is uh, somehow different. And uh, the way I see, I mean, you know, the classification is more on, on one axis that is really this trend in on increasing precision. And on this axis, you can expect that systemic, chem, I mean, chemotherapeutic approach are really, I mean, you know, very low. And then you are increasing and increasing with, uh, in the middle of this ladder, you have a ladder, you have uh, checkpoint limiters, you have uh, uh, vaccines, and then the uh, higher than you are going to the monoclonal antibodies and then ADCs are quite high, I would say, in this ladder of increasing precisions approach. So uh, answering to your question, I mean, we can expect more precision medicine approach that the patients that are uh, having, I mean, you know, those targets will respond. And again, one of um, the, the, the very nice thing about, I mean, you know, the ADCs is that we know that the concept now is working. There is, I mean, approved drugs. So somehow, I mean, the concept is validated and, and uh, we can expect very clearly good efficacy and an increase in efficacy. Otherwise, I mean, you know, the compound is not effective. A patient, I mean, you know, should respond. And at least that's uh, really the, the expectation. And is it more useful in conjunction with other treatments? At a larger, I mean, you know, uh, view on the um, oncology, I uh, always been a strong believer that, I mean, a combinational approach is very important. And I think that even more in the future, you will see also sequential approach that is very important. So really how to use and when to use a drug A and a drug B and a drug C. And uh, it's not only A plus B and even A plus B per C, but it's also the sequence of those drugs that could, I mean, you know, improve drastically, I would say, the response, the efficacy, and also to manage the, the toxicity. I think that this is clearly, I mean, you know, a, a very strong trend in, in oncology. We've seen, I guess, since the early 2000s, they've been in use and more and more approvals. How do you see the field developing over the next little while? I think that there was a, a very exciting, I mean, you know, uh, couple of, of decades. Again, I, I mentioned, I mean, early uh, the striking and uh, approach of immunotherapeutics validated as really uh, was a game changer. Uh, since then, we have cell therapies also. So th th there is a lot of, I mean, modalities, new modality, modalities. And, and uh, so that's great for the patients. I think that we are now more in a consolidation phase, as I said. Uh, it's really about thinking more about improving uh, some of those technologies, and, and uh, like ADCs, and, and uh, really thinking about how to uh, really, I mean, you know, touch more and more patients, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, previously. And um, again, uh, one clear, I mean, you know, uh, uh, information is immunotherapeutics, you know, uh, can have a, a really profound and, and uh, great benefit for the patients. But after, you know, uh, a decade of use, we know that, I mean, you know, this is um, only touching one fifth to, uh, I would say, one fourth of uh, the patient population. So there is a lot of unmet medical need out there and, and uh, 
this is also true for um, uh, many approaches. I mean, uh, not only immunotherapeutics. So uh, there is a lot of room for improvement. And um, that's the reason why, I mean, you know, uh, there is um, still, I mean, a lot of room for uh, advancing uh, new technologies like ADCs or others. And as far as the companies that are involved, we've seen some of the big names like AstraZeneca and GSK, Astellas, been involved. How do you think that that will play out? Do you think that there will be more companies get involved or do you think the bigger companies will dominate the scene? How do you see that? So again, clearly there is a, a very strong attraction. We uh, have seen uh, um, several, I mean, you know, uh, uh, striking deals. I mean, recently, um, not to mention, I mean, you know, Cigen, uh, and uh, even more recently, and, and uh, I think that um, that's just a translation of, of uh, I would say, all we have discussed before. Again, we have a, a rapidly growing, I mean, new uh, therapeutic uh, uh, modality. Um, there is a confirmation on the field. There is improvement seen. We know that there is room for, I mean, new generations. And uh, again. There is a lot of attractions, and I think that um, uh, all those uh, major, I mean, you know, oncology players should have uh, uh, at least, you know, um, uh, an ADC platform in uh, in their approach. And of course, I mean, you know, on the biotech side, there is, I mean, uh, room for uh, a lot of um, uh, approaches, and and uh, we are very confident on our um, own platform and technology, of course. I was just going to say, where where does your company go from here? I guess. So uh, if it's more about, I mean, you know, uh, the company's ambition, I think that uh, this one uh, we can uh, share also uh, very transparently. Um, um, our ambition is really to build a pipeline of, of um, novel antibody drug conjugates with the potential to transform the paradigm in solid tumors, of course. Uh, but we are also, uh, of course, open to a partnership. And uh, so um, we really intend to have, I mean, you know, both approach um, for the foreseeable future. Another really interesting topic and guest this week, I hope you'll agree, but that's it for the podcast for another week. While I know what the subject of next week's is, the interview is not done yet, so I should probably go and get that organised. So thanks a lot for joining us, and I hope that wherever in the world you are, you have a great week ahead, take care, and you'll join us next time for another Beyond Biotech. Beyond Biotech.